electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Like this? Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Dow getting an 800 point bounce here on this cooler than expected inflation print. Core up three tenths instead of five. Uh, yields are sharply lower, 10 year below four. Markets starting to take 75 basis points off the table for December. Our roadmap's going to start right there from up 50 to up 800. Futures are surging as October's read of CPI raises hopes that inflation has peaked. Plus, Binance is backing out. That's of that deal to potentially bail out FTX, which leaves that crypto exchange on the brink of collapse. And leaked video showing Mark Zuckerberg addressing Meta employees after mass layoffs. Hear what he had to say to his staff. Let's get to the inflation number. As we said, uh, core up three tenths. We were looking for five. Headline up six or four. We were looking for six. Uh, month on month declines. Jim, used cars, uh, apparel, right. medical care, airfare medical down care. one. Yeah. Look, I mean, there were important ones. Medical services really surprised me. Energy services surprised me. Used cars does not because of that Mannheim index. Uh, I do think that some of these are a little mercurial. Uh, I have Campbell Soup on tonight. I think uh, food at home is going up, food out away, outside is going, going cheaper. Uh, there's enough here to make, feel, uh, make people feel like, wait a second, uh, 0.75 is wrong. The two years saying 75 is wrong. If you really think, David, that this is the top, you don't buy stocks up here. You buy this beautiful piece of two-year paper, 4.36. And you do that because? Because you actually get that and you get your money back in the end, which is quite different from from And finance. maybe over time you're actually but, beating the rate of inflation. Right. That's what I think. Uh, I do want to say that my co- our colleague said that this Binance deal was not a done deal. Everybody else was saying it was. And I just applaud you. Because you could have saved people millions of dollars. Well, thank you for that. And we're going to spend a lot of time on FTX and where we stand now. Thank you. No, was that just because you recognize the fragility of when someone says? Yes. Yes. You know, there was a a lot going on at FTX. Again, uh, let's spend a little more time on the broader market and the CPI. But I I watched all all the reporting, Carl. Everyone presumed it was a done deal except for our colleague. Huh. That's not at all what CZ said in his tweet, but I guess some might have made well, that leap. Just, people just kept thinking. He's just trying to be nice to me today, fine. Carl. Won't no, you, let, mean, him, won't you let him be okay. nice to me? All right. CZ's actual letter was absolutely like, this thing is just no good. But I just felt that there was a level of false security. Then, then caused it down to drop to 16. But the Bitcoin's going back up. And if you listen to what they said on Squawk with Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, I think he just said, listen, caveat emptor. You're on your but, own. But back to, I mean, Bitcoin, uh, they're going up. That's going that's up based going on the CPI numbers, right? right? That, well, that's from you round two. But, right. but you've got some things that you that's can sell. That's not based on the FTX situation getting any better. You can sell into it. Right. What an opportunity. They're giving you a chance to sell into something that we just 
basically hurt is worthless. So until Tether breaks, I guess that's the fat lady saying, but I'm distinguishing between selling that and selling some high quality stocks that have been beaten down. But why not, why not think about this as an opportunity to look at certain stocks? Um, I'm, I'm we, happy you know, to. so often we, we are putting up charts of companies whose stocks are down 50, 60, 70 percent. Uh, and they still have real businesses, perhaps not growing nearly as fast as they once did and certainly not valued in the same way. No, but no, no, is no. there at some point an opportunity? Is there, that perhaps yeah. even today? Yes, given I do. As this- Karen Kramer says, yes, there is. Yesterday, when we worked together, Karen said, what do we do here? She goes, why is it yesterday? Yesterday was a good day to buy. Have, was a good day to have bought uh, NXP. <laughs> NXP had or a decent quarter, now. not a great quarter. Monster had a great quarter. ServiceNow had a great quarter. What do you want? ServiceNow was great. I remember. I remember when Mr. McDonald. You can buy ServiceNow. Yeah. Can you buy Apple at five? I don't know. Everyone tells me that Apple's going to have a shortfall. How about uh, well, Tesla? Foxconn's, we got Dan Ives. Foxconn profit up five year on year. They're going to try to revamp production at this plant where people literally can only go to the plant and to their lodging and then back to the plant. Well, then why not buy Danaher, which actually gave you cots and said you could stay there and never let the Chinese down? So, I mean, I, I prefer still not to be involved with the People's Republic of China. I think there are unbelievable opportunities, David. It's just that what you have to do and the opportunities to decide how much exposure they have to China, how much exposure they have to Ukraine, how much yeah, exposure no, the- they have to... Uh, slowing. Carl put up an unbelievable tweet today. I spent about an hour on it, on that Robinson, C.H. Robinson. Oh, yeah. It took an hour, but they have a definition and they have a glossary. And in it, they said this decline was going to not start till, till Q3, you know, next year. And now it happened. It can happened. You, can in, you bring us up to date? Can you kind of bring all of us uh, okay. in here and explain Carl, what you're talking about? Carl printed a, a, a little story about C.H. Robinson, which is one of the largest freight forwarders in the country. And they felt that what would happen is, is that there would be a slowdown in freight. Now, remember, freight forwarding has been the single biggest enemy of, of deflation. And not only has it happened, but there's layoffs here. So you've got the single biggest force of inflation. Forget this CPI. Starting to come down. No, not starting to come down. Collapsing. Okay. And so that is what makes me bullish. Uh, that's on top of uh, FedEx saying they're literally parking planes. Yeah. Yeah, during the holiday season. Laying um, off, well, they're laying off white collars, C.H. Robinson, but parking planes. We're talking about a surfeit of people post-pandemic in the most important. Used trucks go from, from 300,000 to 120,000, now down to 60,000, probably going even lower. Those are the numbers that matter to me in the CPI. Yep. That's what Costco would tell you. And, well, it's prices. funny you bring up Costco because we are going to start to get uh, earnings from a number of the big retailers, yes. Costco we've heard from, but Walmart and others. Um, I am starting to get some in- anecdotal information or that it's going to show the consumer slowed, uh, particularly at the end of the third quarter. There and was- I don't know what the guidance will be. But we want to watch those numbers closely because it may be a confirmation in some way of just the overall slowdown that many have been anticipating. October but hasn't was a, really come. You know, coming back, October was an incredibly weak month in this country. And I don't know whether it continues because we're going into holiday season. But and I, I don't know whether Jay Pass looking at one month and just saying, you know, one month doesn't make it. But the layoffs are Mark Zuckerberg, when you hear that. I mean, not, these aren't real layoffs. These are actual, like, closing of giant buildings that had lots of people that are not needed anymore. And there are three positive notes on Meta today. 
even, oh my God, I just, so a thought just came to me, David. Even Bob Paycheck may be able to keep his job at, at Disney. Oh, I'm sorry, Chapek. <laughs> I made that mistake. Wow, Called seven minutes in and you just can't. Incredible. You gotta go there, huh? I, you know why I went there? Because I'm tired. I'm tired of people screwing up in this world and yet in the NFL, fired. The NFL, you think Dave Tepper, who was my boss at Goldman, think Dave Tepper would tolerate the losses that Chapek's coming up with? I remember, you know what Tepper, the guy, you know what Tepper said? He said, yeah, that guy lost three games. What would happen on a trading desk? Keep him fired as the Panthers coach. I want, I want Tepper rules here. I wonder if, if, um, if Sam, uh, uh, the bank man, called Tepper for money. Um, Let's get that. Yeah, there's a ton of news on FTX. Obviously, uh, watching the firm itself, uh, reports of this memo from Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, Gensler on Squawk, Novogratz on Squawk. We're going to talk to Saylor. David, I'm sure you're all over it. I'm trying to be. Uh, you know, listen, it's difficult to get a lot of uh, information that you truly believe. And I think what it really points back to is the idea that uh, there was a lot of information that the investors did not know. Yes. Um, the relationship between Alameda, this hedge fund slash research firm, whatever you want to call it, uh, and FTX itself was, was clearly not fully understood. There are real questions there about whether, in fact, uh, that relationship may have violated Ooh, a lot of... You're not using the word commingling. I'm Why not using the word commingling. I'm not going to use the word fraud, but it is being used liberally by others. And whether or not it is, or whether or not it could be proven, it certainly would seem to uh, argue against anybody coming in here with a large capital infusion, with that prospect. Now, this I is a Bahama-based company. You know, it's not clear exactly what that will mean, but... Um, that relationship is key here. What we've subsequently learned about it in terms of how it was supporting the coin that was issued by FTX and many things that perhaps were unknown to even the investors who put money in, such as Sequoia, which has written down its entire $180 million investment. But what FTX. was it valued at its high? That's what I... In the 30-plus billion right. so I mean, like, they give you this thing, well, at our cost basis, will you give me a break? What did you carry at the last quarter? That's what I want. You can't, like, do this. But the question now becomes, you know, what does FTX do? He, he has an enormous capital hole. Can he in some way fill it? Eight or is this, is this company on the brink of, of, of simply being a liquidation of, in well, some fashion? Carl, that's why I'm saying you're getting a, a clearing event in crypto. But at the same time, because of the CPI, these are pumped up very, very you know, well above. You get an opportunity. I remember when Gensler, I was in one of these that got bought by by Sam the Bankman. There he is, and that's, and that's walking through basically Nassau and the Bahamas where they have their offices, very modest offices. Mr. Bankman Freed has also bought up a series of condos in the very high-end Albany Club, not far from there, to house many of the people that he moved when he moved the firm, I believe from Hong Kong, some time back. Um, by the way, those are assets that the authorities may not be able to get to. He spent an enormous amount of money, from what I am told, buying as many as 14 oh. separate condos in the Albany Club. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. How much did those go for? Um, or how I, much did they use My to understanding for? Is, and, is it was $180 million that he paid for it. Really? Uh, in That's cash. actual raw. Uh, some time back. 
I bought a farm with the money he made for me. And he moved in September of 21, uh, the firm. And I think he bought them uh, prior to that, is my understanding. Um, and so, you know, Robert right. Frank can go, we can talk about the loss of, of right. assets and what he's really worth, but he may, may still have those condos well, um, uh, uh, going you know, for him. And it's not clear that you're going to be have uh, uh, authority to get them. Meanwhile, what about the regulators? Well, Jim? first, if you want to make money on Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, Ralph Lauren had a very good quarter. Stocks at 93. Obviously, it changed. That look is no longer in fashion. What do you say, the regulators? The regulators what do you, you think of Gensler on Squawk this morning? Well, first of all, he's back at the fireplace. Now, let, let's not be facetious at all. I think half the people I talked to said he gave you nothing new. And other people just said when Andrew was really pressing him on what these things are worth, he said, listen, it's basically caveat emptor. You're on your own. Now, he's often said that, there, that it's high risk. But I think he gave you a call which basically said, look, this has nothing to do with anything involving security, which made me feel alchemy. Uh, I remember Bitcoin when Pomp, call me Pomp, like sure. Pomp said, listen, I dare you to put money in at Bitcoin. I said 12,000. I put money in just to just dare. It's still well above 12,000 Bitcoin. Maybe that's an opportunity. Yeah. Um, let's listen to uh, Chairman Gensler, who, as, as Jim pointed out, and we've kind of made fun of it, but there's also a serious side to it. He's still in front of that darn fireplace. He's still at home. So is Mark Zuckerberg a lot. Get to the office. Take a listen. When you, you mix together a bunch of customer money, non-disclosure, and leverage, borrowing against it, and inside uh, you know, these companies trading, uh, investors get hurt. Um, oh. And guys, you know, what he's talking about, again, is this relationship between Alameda and FTX, as we understand it, at least. Um, you know, FTX essentially being able to effectively, and I'm reading here because I took some notes, effectively add leverage by issuing tokens to Alameda. And then Alameda could borrow against those same tokens um, and redeploy the cash back to FTX's platform. But, but that's you're not, not allowed to commingle. It's against not, the law. Yeah, that's not good. That's against the law. Now, where is he really located? What, what jurisdiction is this man really in? He's in the Bahamas. Or is there, are they in virtual jurisdictions? where there's like really nothing. Well, there's been a lot of reporting even a year ago about the degree to which he went around the world shopping for areas where he would get a lighter touch. The, the two-year treasury, 4.3 versus the National Bank of Friedman? I, listen, um, I will I say ask this. You. I'm told by people at the Albany Club that uh, he's Albany. very kind and respectful. He's a very nice man. Oh, he's nice. That, yeah, that he's not. Old. He's not a. He's, he's so nice. He's I'm got sorry. That. Take it all back. Um, and by the way, they've been welcomed in the Bahamas because they brought a lot of jobs. It's not just FTX. Nassau has become. Uh, well, the insurance. And, you know, I've talked to Kate Rooney about it as well, who's been down there. Nassau's become a, a hub for crypto. Insurance crypto is everything. Grows. Hub for, you know, wow. It's interesting. The Marines were born today. We're hearing that. I always think the shores of Tripoli. That's another place they might have been. How about this tweet from uh, SBF oh. just a couple moments ago? Yeah. Uh, number one, I'm sorry. That's the biggest thing. Oh. Uh, words we can't use here, but messed up and should have done better. 
Uh, I also should have been communicating more recently. Transparency, my hands were tied during the duration of the possible Binance deal. I wasn't particularly allowed to say much publicly. Some of this is what has been reported by some firms looking at internal staff memos at, uh, at FTX. Well, a lot of people are taking this advantage to buy this. Um, it's, oh my, he's using all caps. David's using all caps. Yeah. I was not very careful with my words. Uh, you know, I'm not a good dev. I've never said he was a good dev. And probably misdescribed mis something. All right, all right. Can we just back up? David, we were talking about J.P. Morgan. Well, we were talking about it, but we were also, being, were in a way, pointing to the absurdity of it all. There was so little we fully understood other than, he, This again, is what he has to say on a um, Twitter feed? You know, very bright guy, child of professors. Uh-oh, glass houses. To be well, brought in a lot of incredibly well-heeled uh, money okay. uh, where you'd expect some level of diligence. Um, I, I, listen, I, 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 you know, it's a frustrating area. I have oh. a lot more questions than answers. I think many other people do Well, it's well. a 22-point 22 22 point uh, description. Yeah that he's giving us, and it's going to take us a long time to go through. Well, he ends to... by saying, one way or another, Alameda Research is winding down trading. Uh, yeah, that's one way or another, is interesting. Yeah, they're, they're winding down a lot of things over there. Again, the question becomes, uh, is, there, is there going stuff. to be fraud? How does it get prosecuted? Um, I mean, there's going to be a lot more to this story. Can it, you it, use we, the word S? early you... days of this story. Well, his As for the impact leverage. overall on, on crypto, I think that's... I'll leave that to others. I just got to go back, Carl. I guess go back. We have individuals who are in these things yep. right now, and you're getting a huge up move because of the CPI, and that's your chance. You're being given a gift. An off-ramp. Yes. I mean, I'm reading this. The FTC, I mean, this guy's going on and on. Look, it's your chance. I mean, look, Dave, I, look, I'm not saying you should go sell CrowdStrike up 10. There, I had, I had uh, Udi Makati last night from CyberArk. That's up to you. I mean, the, some of these are very good. I'm saying that what we have on your screen right now, crypto, and what this man is saying uh, where he says he's sorry but glass houses, I, I think look at this opportunity. Now, maybe it goes tomorrow because you got a lot of guys. You know, we, there are a lot of guys who need these higher. But for the average person, please sell something or get off margin. Get off margin. Well, now you're pointing to what at least the J.P. Morgan team talked about That's yesterday. That's why I love that piece. The cascade of margin calls. That's a great piece. Uh, production cost has historically been a floor, uh, 15K. But they're talking 13K. Uh, right. Evercore last night talking at 8 and change. It would be the kind of event that Ed Hyman argues accompanies every tightening cycle. Every one of those people are people I trust. Trust over 20, Ed Hyman, trust over a 30 year period. These are, are better, so to speak, and they're giving you, you shouldn't be getting this. Now, in stocks, it's different. Stocks are, you know, there's a lot of stocks, I think, as you said, David, are too cheap. But I'm trying to understand, have you, got, have you read through all of uh, Sam Bank? Where are you, number 20? What are you, number when 20? When he's saying you've won, well played, you won, is he talking about C uh, CZ? Yeah. Oh, I see, Carl. Point number one can't be read. Right. Yeah. Oh, there's a, it's a, a lot of profanity oh, in this Oh, point number five can't be read. Point number six, George Carlin described. Well, we gotta, we, we, we're going to go through all of this, a long sort of tweet thread of, of, from Sam Bankman-Fried. 
Are if there's anything else. Are we out of our minds here at this very moment? <laughs> well, I think many people believe you are, certainly. I don't know about Carl. I'm out of my mind. Yeah. Oh, I'm out of my mind? I believe the meta layoffs. <laughs> you think there, more, there are more coming is what you've told us. Well, they're better. Man. Listen, you predicted it. I will say and that. And I said I predicted it on Wednesday, and what day did it happen? Well, you actually had, were talking about it even before that. I'm just saying, look, there are places where they're getting this, the severity of this downturn. And there are other people who are still saying, you know what, things are good. I, this CPI number says this could be the beginning. And, but that's a chance to sell crypto, not necessarily to sell high-quality stocks that have done well. Uh, we're going to obviously cover this a lot more this morning with uh, MicroStrategy's Michael Saylor uh, talking all things crypto in the oh, next hour. Uh, in the meantime, as Jim said, uh, a lot of moving parts this morning. Uh, Post-CPI, dollar back to 108, euro-dollar two-month high, and the 10-year uh, still below four. We're back in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome back. Uh, continued communications that sort of give us some sense as to what Sam Bankman-Fried, the man at the center, of course, of the potential collapse of his company, FTX, is thinking right now in a long uh, series of tweets. And that seems to be the way so many of these things are communicated, including, of course, that very short-lived letter of intent from Binance to buy the company that's, what, 48 hours ago, of course, it fell apart yesterday because, well, it wasn't anything really other than a tweet to begin with. Uh, here's uh, the latest thread from Mr. Uh, Bankman-Fried, starting with, I'm sorry. Um, we're not showing you other things. He does use a lot of there. There you go. All right, you get the picture. Um, going on to say he should have been communicating more, uh, have been, should have been communicating more very recently and saying transparently his hands were tied during the duration of the possible Binance deal. Of course, as we said, that wasn't a long period of time, but he said he couldn't say much publicly. Updates. Uh, it's all about FTX International. The non-U.S. exchange FTX users are fine. Goes on to say as well um, that FTX International currently has a total market value of assets versus collateral that's higher than client deposits. Although, guys, I, my understanding is some people have not been able to get their money out. No, there haven't been. Um, different from really liquidity for deliveries. You can tell from the state of withdrawals. Okay, the liquidity varies widely from very, from very to very little. Um, and then, again, we're uh, talking about how he screwed up a number of times here. Carl, we can go through a lot of them. I mean, it sort of ends with one way or another Alameda Research, and that was, that's this key relationship that 
has been brought to light to some extent, but that we really don't know a great deal about between Alameda and no. FTX. Alameda, controlled by Mr. Bankman-Fried, may have been buying assets that then help prop up FTX for a period of time, sort of the relationship uh, uh, com not completely buying known. I say buying assets or moving assets? Well, moving them. They aren't do doing any of the weird things that I see on Twitter is what he says about Alameda Research, and nothing large at all. And one way or another, soon they won't be trading on FTX anymore. That's the final tweet. Why is this man not communicating with his counsel instead of communicating with Twitter? These can and will be used against oh, him okay. by a federal prosecutor. It's my prediction. Meantime, he says, uh, in any scenario in I which they continue to operate, uh, radical transparency uh, will be the tool, and adds, I will not be around if I'm not wanted, in terms of his own future. Well, that's, again, not up to him at a certain point. If he did commingle, obviously. And I hope he's talking to some well, lawyers. I mean, David, obviously, I mean, there's a bit of a George Bailey thing. I mean, in terms of people wanting their money. Yes. But I don't want to encourage people to want their money all at once. Well, that's what started, right? If people want their money. They don't have enough. They're levered to some extent, although you just saw him put the leverage numbers out there, at least where they stand right uh, now, took, and he it, can't give people their money back. It took 48 hours for me to get my money back, but this was when things were in the heyday. And, you know, they didn't, I chose not to use my name. I you know, didn't use my name and didn't do any of that violation stuff. But it was hard to get your money out even when things were good. So I don't know what it's going to be like when things aren't good. What do you think about the argument that anything decentral, in other words, where there's not a sovereign, uh, is going to be vulnerable to individual malpractice, well, uh, I mean, greed? You know, one of the biggest holders of, uh, of crypto is the U.S. government because they had to seize so much of it. I mean, and that, that doesn't road encourage stuff, right? me. Yeah. That doesn't encourage me. Now, look, if, when Zimbabwe had inflation at a rate that was the highest ever, even higher than Weimar, I could see why you would want to be in one of these. When you're in a, in a currency that is basically being debased every day, this is a great alternative. But if you're in a currency that's not, I mean, look, if I were in the Turkish lira, I would be. I was going to say, point. do you think, so it made sense for the El Salvadorans? Yeah. Although Costa Rica, I learned yesterday, was was hacked. The whole country was hacked, and according to CyberArk. But I, I think that, again, it's the currency, depends on your currency. I think our currency is stable. You go to J.P. Morgan David, you take the money out, buy things. Um, but I think that, yes, if, if, if you're in a foreign country, which currency is destable and stable, these are prefer preferable. Um, SBF goes, going, goes on to say, by the way, that what matters right now is trying to do right by customers. That's it. Um, Jim, to what, you know, we've, we've seen a number of these situations, different but similar, uh, where there's a, a huge gaping hole in capital. Who's going to potentially come in here and fill that hole? Do you imagine anyone would want to do well, that? Well, you know, Robin Hood got filled when Robin Hood was in trouble. Well, he they came were, in and bought a bunch of shares, too. Sam you know, Bankman well, Freed. that's... That's why people say it's vulnerable, but they, they pretty much sold that. That's true. Robinhood did get a, a yeah. but that was separate. But, but you're Robin talking about during that period. They did. Robin, before they, they did. came out, and they went out, they sent a book out. Yep. And there were people who did it. And they wanted to, and a lot of them were people, Carl, who wanted to preserve it. So it's entirely possible the book is out. I'm told last night the book went out. It is not going well, but there'll be people who put love to throw good money after bad, if only just to be able to show in their books that the, what they keep 
what they have as a price of their books is real. So but, never but, underestimate the need to be able to prop things up. Understood. But are you really going to want to throw fresh capital into this kind of a situation where there is at least the prospect think, of fraud? I think there are always people who need to, to prop things up so that it doesn't show that they were part or they were fools. Um, I think this one goes. I think it goes because of what you're talking about, which is that did he, did he rob Peter to pay Paul? Even though, I mean, he can tell me. In, can I, also, let's just go over once again. These are criminal legal matters, potentially. And you do not make your pleading without, I mean, like Paul Weiss. If he were using, like, say, Bruce Bierenbaum, and my, my friend Paul Weiss. Yeah, your buddy. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think Bruce would be saying, you know what, this is the time to go on Twitter and, and tell a, everybody and do a 20, about your A 20-tweet thread on, on everything? Yeah, no. This is, this is not helpful, most likely, for any case that could be brought against him. But who knows? Meanwhile, you got futures um, at a session high as Harker now says possible to pause when rate hits around four or five, which is a, a lower than we were right, thinking. Right. Right. Well, again, I mean, this is a. There are a lot of companies whose stocks were in free fall, and there are stocks that will not suddenly reverse and go up. So let's be careful because I would argue that you can go. The people who want to go buy anything are going to end up at the end of the day with some things that are what people have been trying to get it out of for a long time. A semiconductor, where the numbers are quite bad. They see the uh, freight company you mentioned, where the numbers are quite bad. Right. You don't want to be in things that are levered to the decline in the economy. It's not going to reverse. It's going to continue. Take a look at the balcony, by the way, this morning at the big board. It is uh, General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Our Morgan Brennan is going to be speaking with him in a few moments. And at the NASDAQ today, Washington Federal, a commercial bank. Uh, by the way, it's also the 247th birthday of the Marine Corps. Which is an organization that is the best we have. Oh, yes. And I hope people remember who are cynical about our country that there is an organization called the Marines. Of which, by the way, very hard to get into because so many people want to show their patriotism and strength. And how about that? Uh, Fabulous. The Army's having trouble meeting its quota, in part because they just can't find enough qualified candidates. I think the Marines do not, because it's such a hallowed organization. Yeah. Just to go back, because I'm not here to talk about but the the NASDAQ up 5% is vulnerable, because a lot of the companies that are up 5% are people, they're just itching to get out of these things. And I don't think that this is going to turn around the fundamentals of some of the companies that were not doing well. Right. You got two names on the S&P that are red, I think. Uh, overwhelmingly positive breath. And we're near 3,900, which has been suggested by many as a potential ceiling. You think we're bumping up against well, it? Well, I just think you got to go over the parts of the CPI. You got to go over the components. And, you know, some of the components are, are really, you know, is energy services really going to be? The one that I couldn't figure out, how did medical care services go down? That's almost, that's city, the city meds of the world. So the, maybe that's serious. Um, used cars, the Mannheim Index continues to go down, but new cars not. So I'm saying that this is not a definitive group of things that are going down when you look at the, the raw. The Nasdaq's up almost 4%. 5%, guys. That's, what? I mean, this is an enormous rally right now. Well, Can we is, sustain I, it? I'm saying it's an opportunity to get up. Can it some, be sustained? I mean, some, Amazon is up 8%. Um, Microsoft up 5%. Well, okay, my chapel trust is in Amazon, and I'm very specifically not selling it because I don't think it's doing nearly as badly as people think. 
But yesterday, we had D.R. Horton, largest home builder, up. Why It was up three. That was in anticipation of a really great number. NVIDIA is up 7.5%. NVIDIA um, reports next week. It was down big yesterday because people felt that they use it for crypto mine, which they don't because Ethereum doesn't work on it anymore. They do report, but they do have, and they got approval from the Chinese, from us to be able to sell dumbed down ch- chips to the Chinese. But these stocks are suspect. And I like them, but they're suspect. You do. All right. But right now, whether it's the algorithms or whatever it might be based on CPI and what that points to, there well, are people who are saying this is the beginning of the new. Oh, yeah. This, of the, all the historical charts, if you plot the S&P against peak CPI, I mean, the right side of that line tends to be pretty good. All I'm saying is, is that there's some companies that aren't doing well, and this is a great opportunity. And then there are companies like the banks that are doing so well. I can't people realize now they're actually winning on, on, on price on what they've been investing in. But it's just the time to buy Atlassian after that OK quarter. No. But is it time to buy J.P. Morgan? Yes. I'm going to Goldman Sachs later today. And Goldman Sachs sells it the cheapest it ever has to book. I don't want to sell Goldman up 10. So it sounds like you think earnings are at risk for next year. That yes. we, might have, we might have taken care of inflation, but the slowdown earnings are, will earnings come. are definitely at risk. And they're very worrisome because I think there are a lot of companies that, that, are peop- that people are in that start doing poorly in the, in, in, because they can't get through the price increases. And then there are others who are pri- who uh, Johnson Johnson, large business from my ch- from my travel house. They're, all the raw costs are going down. They're splitting off the co- the consumer business. That is the kind of stock I like. Right. The dividends suddenly in play is positive. Remember, dividends were were they were passe for a little while here. Do we have any stuff about Meta? Um, is that later today? I can think of. Because I was going to mention. I mean, I happen to think that Meta, if he can, if Mark Zuckerberg can do what he's saying in terms of cutting costs, there's an unbelievable piece by Moffat Nathanson today, okay. by Michael Nathanson, that made a brief for Meta that was extraordinary, and I think he's quite a rigorous analyst. Well, sort of related uh, is to your point about people looking to get out of things. CRM's the worst down name over the course of a year. Okay, and today I, it's the biggest gainer. I went over CRM today with Mike because big position, been in position since 2008. Uh, this Mark Benioff, and I don't think he can necessarily make the number because of the dollar. But if the dollar is weaker, that's the home run. If the dollar really has peaked as I just called my wife in Paris um, it, during the commercial break, of course. If the dollar is peaked, David, I'm over here, I'm not over there. If the dollar's peaked, then you're going to want to buy Salesforce because okay. the dollar crushed them. Microsoft up 11, dollar crushed them. Has the dollar peaked? Well, that's that's what I can I mean, about. I don't know, I'm asking I, you. We, we'll speak to Sarah Eisen later. She posts it all. Better than anybody. And we have strengths. Sarah loves her current. We have strengths. We're certainly stronger than a lot of the news organizations that are called news organizations. I'm t- telling you the dollar is key to tech because otherwise I'm going to hold on to Salesforce and people are going to say you did that out of loyalty and out of uh, some sort of false, emo- you know, an emotion. But if the dollar's peaked, then, then Mark Benioff makes the qu- will make the next quarter. Well, DXY was 114 last month. 108 today. That says that you don't sell Benioff, don't sell Salesforce. It's interesting. It's not helping names like McDonald's this morning, but it's not going to be. Which is interesting, right? Because I thought McDonald's had a very good quarter, and, and that's probably pre, that's probably a good opportunity. Procter and Gamble. 
which has been my chapel trust. I mean, it's just a so-so stock. They're a big winner. They're, they tell their story so poorly, it really doesn't matter. Um, one name that I've just followed because it was a, a SPAC deal. Remember Cano Health? It's a, a leading yeah, value-based primary doing? care provider and population health company. Oh, yeah, that's right. Remember there was also CNO, ANO, right? There was some talk about it being a takeover. Can't take a look at the stock. We'll talk about it. Um, was it? There was real reporting on it. Not from me. Not from me. Um, it's down 27%. Numbers were not good. Uh, not P&G. Obviously, I'm talking about uh, Cano Health, C-A-N-O. Different, um, different order of things. There it is. Um, EBITDA came in below the street estimate, reported revenue 665 million, management citing lower than expected revenue per member. Lower risk scores for its new members is the reason for the lower revenue EBITDA despite uh, medical costs coming in better than expected. Thanks, guys. That gives okay. you a sense of what I was talking about there. And yeah, you're right, Jim. Remember when it was moving up? Can see that little peak well, there. People, it does on, have a uh, legitimate takeover. Spec. I mean, the business model is quite good there. <laughs> it, no, it is. I'm not kidding. No, I looked into it. Business model's good. Did. Yes. Is, is it better today than it was yesterday? Well, is it? Is it? Or is it 31.2 percent worse? I, I. You know what? Uh, let the jury decide. I mean, let the investors decide. There. I do think that it was a good. You know, it had a great concept, and, and that's what. That's what the Walgreens are buying. That's what they're buying. No, there's there's a lot you of know, interest I think Ross in, Brewer's turning Walgreens in these around. primary care providers that, again, are what they call population the, health companies. The winner, dealing here, with broader. the winner here are banks because it's happening fast enough that the savings will not be completely exhausted, so they won't have credit problems. I would buy American Express off this. That would be probably my number hmm. one name. Automakers? Uh, that, it's a tough one because, you know, you take new cars have not gone down according to this, but does Ford have the inventory? I saw, I saw someone downgrade GM I, it, five times. Wolf, Wolf downgraded GM. I, I, I and uh, Webbush took Tesla off of their best ideas, largely because of the Twitter, what they called the a Twitter obsession. Twitter. You know, I, that was a, he's a long-standing buyer of Tesla. I, you know, that was a very extraordinary call. Uh, Rivian uh, shares were up nicely on, Rivian, uh, on the quarter. numbers. Decent quarter. Yeah. Uh, you, look, I think that you mentioned some of these uh, retailers. I think Walmart's going to have a good quarter, but someone put out a tactical short today on Target. I thought that might be ill-advised. Ill mm-hmm. But what's really going up are these, you know, this customer relations, these software as a service stocks. And uh, some of them, like Workday, are not suspect. And some of them are deeply suspect. No need to go into them here. But, you know, the Dow's up big. And I think that what I would be selling is anything related to crypto, and would I be buying for that money? Just put that in the two-year until you get a better opportunity. Uh, the two-year, you get your money back. This may be your opportunity, David, if there really is a so-called run at the bank. There'll be people who are, who are brain dead who don't know that. We're back to crypto now, right? Well, I'm just saying what you should sell first is you get off a of margin crypto, okay, and go buy the two-year. Then the next is you look at the tech companies that actually are not having good quarters that we quite know, including some of the semis. And then you you take a hard look at buying some of the by that point you know some of the of the of the J P Morgans, which are still down, Goldman Sachs down, and that that's my plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the retailers because they were down very badly yesterday. I was going to say Dillard's in, today. Yeah, in at anticipation least a of a bad number, 
Um, I like TJX. It was upgraded today. Which I trust was that. But be, again, all these companies right. yet to report earnings, but will in the next right. Uh, no, next that's true. Couple of weeks. I think TJX will be good. We'll see but if we, we, we get any commentary though about a potentially weakening consumer. But you know, the ones that I think that are like really in question, like my Chapel Trust owns Microsoft. I was going over Jeff Marks today. I said, you know, do we want to continue to own the 24, 25, 26 times earnings stocks? And I'm not sure. I, you know, I've a Microsoft another stock we've owned since the trust began, and you know it's just been so painful. It, it, you know, you go home and you're not thinking even about you know the Eagles. You're thinking about Microsoft. It's like look at that chart. It's like oh my God, is this going to be the quarter, David? That these guys are not going to have good orders because of the slowdown in the economy, which is immense and happening much faster than certainly Jay Powell realized. The slowdown is real. It may be and real, but, quickly. but you have to wonder whether people aren't going to just simply buy on that because the slowdown is evidence of it working, and therefore we know what happens as a result but, of that, and then we're off to the races again. But everybody's, right? everybody's a little bit ahead. I mean, hasn't the decline in Microsoft in part reflected the expectations of said slowdown? Well, do you start buying when you're no. laying off people? I don't know. But they obviously have money to spend on travel. Why would you not have money oh, to spend I, on I, stocks? I think the consumer is better than... The Silicon Valley companies, where I think the real, remember, that's where the real risk is. And some of these, like, I happen to like Alpha because of Ruth Porat, but they have so many more people than they need, and they're spending so much more than they need. You know, they, they, by the way, the spend one on, on cap, the CapEx spend it at Meta is so out of hand. Some of these right. companies. So the point, Meta announces significant layoffs, and of course the stock's up 10%. Well, that's because they doubled the number of people they had. It's going to be a hundred billion, up to a hundred billion dollars in uh, in twenty twenty three opex. You know, I mean that's, that's quite incredible. unbelievable. That's, yeah, that. and the pay package, David. Pay package. You really should. You should go. You should be like Gogan with that pay package. Well, speaking of, uh, you mean for leaving? For leaving, what you get? You get you 16 never weeks made, and then you know, two you, weeks for every if year. You leaving is so much better than staying. It's incredible. Not that you can stay, but you took about five, six months, really making a lot of money. And Mark Zuckerberg got a hand it to him. He was able to dish out that shareholders' money just all over the place. Well, speaking of Zuckerberg, uh, he did address Meta employees virtually yesterday, just hours after the company announced the laying off of 13% of its staff. A Meta employee impacted by the layoffs provided this video to NBC News. I'm the founder and CEO. I'm uh, responsible for, for the health of our, our company, um, for our direction, um, and for, for deciding you know, how we execute that, including things like this. And this was ultimately my call. Um, and it was, it was you know, one of the hardest calls that I've, I've had to make in, in, in the 18 years of running the company. Oh, and that I, includes some tough episodes. Right? Look, I think he, what he's doing is right. I think it was needed. But uh, as David would say, there's still no cut on the spend for the lab work. No. And if you've Reality tried Labs, he's a believer completely well, that I know, this is the future of his company. He doesn't seem willing to... to, to well, like, let's say they have to, Bank of America, by the way, that's a 537. Uh, you take a look at what they want to do. They want to do a mall, okay, a virtual mall. Well, my wife wants a virtual store in the mall for her virtual mezcal, which is actual mezcal. And it's like so many things in life, including Twitter, you want to give people money to be able to say, listen, I'd like to be able to advertise. 
but they don't have any ability. It takes so much money, so much capex, David, to get that virtual mall made that you can see why there's there's just so much money that has to be spent because it's just so difficult to make money on the web because of the amount of of capex. The, the capex immense. It's immense. A lot of software engineers spending a lot of man hours. A lot of servers creating this bought. world. I don't know. I, a lot I, of servers. Again, is it not better to go find a target, whichever you know, people are saying to so have a big quarter, yet Brian Cornell has cleared the decks? A T-Mobile that's had unbelievable quarters. Growth company, classic growth. Classic growth did not, that did not stumble is a buy here. Okay? And I want to reiterate that I'm still dazzled by the fact that this Sam Bankman-Fried is making the case in Twitter. This is real people's money. This is not monopoly money. This is do not pass go. Do Oh, well, you can finish that. As we go to break, uh, we got the Dow and the S&P once again positive for the month after those first tough few days of November. Take a look at the bonds as well. Two-year, 4-3, 10-year below 3-9 now. And we're going to get more reflections on CPI later today with Logan and George and Williams tonight as the Fed speak continues. Dow holding on to a gain of just shy of 800 points. Jim and stop trading. Okay, you want to know what do you buy? Okay, here's a company's having an unbelievable quarter. It's doing amazing. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Amazing new well in a secular growth trend, Palo Alto Networks. I spoke with CyberArk yesterday. They confirmed that Palo Alto is doing great. This is Nikesh Aurora. This is what you buy. It's a high multiple company that is profitable, that has great growth, and the growth is, frankly, got great visibility. So go buy that up eight. That does not bother me one bit to buy that that much. Not one bit. I'll go for that. How about a look at what's coming up tonight? Okay, we've got Goldman Sachs. Um, David Solomon spending a lot of time over there today. I think that we can really get some good uh, insight. Then a salute to some veterans. Uh, the man, uh, Klaus, who runs Nate, the, runs Campbell's, he's having an amazing quarter. And then the Navy, we have the Secretary of the Navy, and I want to know about, David, how, how safe are we in the Straits of Formosa, Taiwan? I want to know whether the Seventh Fleet can protect that country. Or is that country part of China? I think that man can tell us. I'm very excited about this show today. Yeah, I'm still shattered by the same bank. I don't want there's that. To there's there's that. It. There's the Fed. There's inflation. We didn't mention Ukraine, by the way, but no. the dwindling options for Putin, who now is not going to go to G20. Uh, we talked about Kursan yesterday. They've got a Kursan moment going over there with 
Kaysan. Right, although there is an expectation things are going to slow in terms of the ability of the Ukrainian army to continue its advances because of the rain in the late fall and then obviously the onset of, of, uh, of winter. But what I think really does, this is a moment where I think that Jake Sullivan's trying to figure out, I don't want this to be like a Munich moment where they decide what to do with Czechoslovakia. But it's pretty clear that the United States and Russia are trying to figure out whether to, some people would say, sell out Ukraine. And uh, I just remor- remind them that in Munich in September of 1938, part of the great powers chose to sell out a great democracy. And I hope they don't repeat it. Meanwhile, we've got the Nasdaq up over 5%. Uh, right. There are very few mornings that I can recall this, well, the, the CPI is very um, where meaningful. we've seen a number like that. It's at 9.51, obviously, we're only 21 minutes into well, trading, we, we'll we, see. But. We just went over the semis, Jeff Marks and I. We're not going to sell any of them because they're just too low. They've been crushed every day. And a lot of them pre-announced and the worst is over. But I do think that, we, that people who want to sell things that involve crypto are getting great opportunity. Wow, what, what, what an hour, Jim. Walked in here with uh, a lot of ammo and got more as we went along. We'll see you tonight. Absolutely. Uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Defense is uh, in focus, as we said, geopolitics, Ukraine, China continue to make an impact. Morgan Brennan joins us this morning with a very special guest. Morning, Morgan. Good morning. Joining me now, General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, a military advisor, top military advisor to the President. General Milley, it is an honor to have you here with us on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. You actually just rang the opening bell as we get ready to celebrate Veterans Day. Let's start there. Well, thanks, Morgan. Thanks for having me. And, and, and it was important, I think, to get up here on Veterans Day. And this is uh, America's city, a quarter of a million veterans in this city, uh, a million in the great state of New York. Uh, I spent two years of my life here, and, and I'm really proud of this city. So I wanted to get up here and uh, just share that, uh, share this day, Veterans Day. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, we as a nation should be thankful, and I know we are. The American people are grateful for everything the veterans have done uh, to provide for the freedom that our country has. So uh, it's a great day to celebrate. Absolutely. Uh, let's get to the current geopolitical environment. Uh, the guys in the desk just touched on some of that a, a bit just now. But Russia yesterday ordering a retreat from Kherson, uh, the key city in Ukraine. We've seen Putin and some of his top diplomats walk back some of the rhetoric around uh, nuclear weapons in recent days as well. Your assessment of what is currently going on on the ground right now. And I ask that on a day where we did just get an inflation reading. We know that the conflict there has impacted economic data here. Could we potentially be seeing the prospect of an end to this conflict in sight? I think it's too early to tell with any degree of certainty. But, you know, obviously armed conflict wars are are, uh, a destabilizing factor and have significant destabilizing effect on global economies. Uh, anytime there's a war anywhere. Uh, and in Ukraine, there's a significant war. There's a lot of suffering going on, a lot of casualties on both sides, a lot of damage to the economy, a lot of refugees. And this war has been going on now for quite a while. We're in our eighth month, ninth month. Uh, so it's a, it's a war that didn't need to happen. Uh, it's a geopolitical mistake on the part of Russia. Uh, they attacked a country that was no threat to Russia. Uh, and yet their military is being beaten on the battlefield. Uh, you are seeing the withdrawal of Russian forces out of Kyrgyzstan. We're seeing the beginnings of that. It was announced yesterday by uh, Defense Minister Shoigu. Uh, so that's happening. Uh, and we've seen the Ukrainian military fight the Russian military to a standstill. Uh, now, what the future holds uh, is, is not known with any degree of certainty. Uh, but we think there are some possibilities here. 
uh, for some diplomatic solutions. So we'll see where that leads us. Yes, and certainly State Department has been running lead on, on those talks. Sure, absolutely. Um, what does Ukraine need to defend itself? And perhaps just as importantly as we have sent weapon systems there, why aren't we seeing more put on contract in terms of replenishment here? Well, for, on the first part, uh, Ukraine has the morale, they have the will, they have the leadership uh, from Zelensky all the way down to the captains and the privates and the sergeants. Uh, so they have the intangible uh, element of combat power, which is perhaps the most important, and that is will, the will to fight. Uh, but what they need are the means as well, and they need the ammunition, uh, the weapons, the guns, the artillery, the HIMARS, uh, and that's being provided to them by the United States, uh, but by many other countries as well. So uh, we've been doing that consistently. We've given billions of dollars worth of equipment. They've been using it very effectively against the Russians, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, Ukraine is fighting for their survival. It's an existential fight for Ukraine. This is a fight for their survival, uh, but it's also important for us, for the United States, for for Europe, because it's all about the so-called rules-based order, which was put in place at the end of World War II to prevent great power wars. Uh, and those rules have held, held firm now for going on eight decades. If those rules, which are being undermined by this war, if those rules go away, if they're destroyed, uh, then there'll be an incredible amount of pressure for increased instability, increased wars around the world. So our interest is to make sure that those rules stay in place, that they're enforced, uh, and we are doing that by helping out Ukraine and, and making sure at the end of the day, Ukraine remains a free, sovereign, independent country that they've been since 1991. It's such a crucial point that you're making. And, and, and certainly when we talk about Russia, as it's been laid out uh, within the recently released uh, national defense strategy, it is the quote-unquote acute threat. But right. when you look to the key strategic competitor for the U.S., it is the pacing threat, the so-called pacing threat, is That's China. Right. That's right. So given the conversation that we're having right here about Ukraine and Russia, how is that translating to the discussion around China, especially as Admiral Gilday of the Navy has recently said that that timeline has accelerated dramatically, the potential for an invasion of Taiwan by China? Well, again, the future is obviously unknowable. So you can't make definitive predictions of when things are going to happen or not happen. But China, we call China the pacing threat. Uh, China is a country that has enriched itself under those rules that were established at the end of World War II. Uh, and when Deng Xiaoping put in his reforms in 1979, uh, they've had a 10% rise over run in their economic growth uh, for going on 40 years, and it's slowed down to maybe 7 or 8% and slowing down again to 3%, but there's still very strong growth. Uh, so with that wealth came a military, and their military is growing in all of the domains, in space and cyber and the traditional domains of land, sea, and air. Uh, so they're growing in capability. Uh, we, the United States, have the strongest, most powerful, most capable military in the world. Our adversaries know that. Uh, everyone knows that. The American people should know that. Uh, and it's incumbent upon us to stay number one. If we stay number one as a, as a military, which we are right now, if we stay strong, we stay capable, uh, and we demonstrate a will to use that capability if necessary, then that'll be deterrence, will take effect, and you won't have the war that you're trying to, uh, that you want to prevent. Uh, so it's important that we remain strong and remain number one. And we're in a very fundamental change in the character of war. China recognizes that. The United States recognizes it. Russia recognizes that. And what I mean by that is a change in the way you fight, the doctrine, the weapons, the equipment, the technologies. And there's a lot of modern technologies that are coming at us very quickly, robotics, artificial intelligence as an example, but also precision weapons, which have been around for 30, 40 years. We're in the middle of one of the most fundamental changes in the character of war in the history of mankind. 
Uh, that country that, that adapts the fastest, that country that innovates the most, that country is going to have a decisive advantage at the beginning of a war, uh, which I suspect will happen at some point in time, uh, sometime in the deep future. If we remain strong, if we remain number one, that war won't happen. So it's incumbent upon us and the generosity of the American people in Congress to keep funding our military, to make sure that we do remain number one. Uh, and China is the long-term challenge. We want to keep it at competition. Mm -hmm. We don't want competition to move into conflict. Which I think speaks to some of the disentangling we've seen in terms of technological supply chains, semiconductor chips, for example, between the U.S. and sure. China and some yeah. of those trade export rules that have been evolving. The U.S. is in the midst of this multi-year, multi-billion dollar modernization process. Can the U.S. truly move quickly enough, especially when we talk about some of these new technologies, to continue to counter and deter China? The short answer is yes. Uh, we absolutely can. We have the capability to do it. We have the right talent. We have the right leadership. We have the right vision. Uh, we're working on what's called the joint warfighter concept right now, which we're going to uh, publish in December, and that'll turn into doctrine. Uh, so we'll have the, the, uh, the vision, if you will, or the uh, the roadmap to the future. Uh, that'll be laid out. Uh, we have the support, bipartisan support on the Hill. Uh, we have the right leadership in the Department of Defense. Uh, we have the right industrial base. Uh, so the short answer is yes. I think all of those piece parts can come together where we can remain number one. It's important, though, to know that all countries have access to these technologies. These aren't unique to the United States. And the country that accentuates and adapts these technologies to certain ways of war and how to fight, uh, and to do that better than your opponent. You're not going to get it exactly right. You just got to get it less wrong than your enemy. Uh, and we're going to do that. We're capable of doing that. Uh, this is America. Uh, we're the most innovative, uh, most, uh, most capable country on earth that's, that's ever existed. And we're going to continue to stay that way. All right. So much more I could ask, but we are up against the end of the hour. So, General Milley, we sure appreciate your time. It is an honor, honor and a privilege to speak with you today. And, of course, as we do commemorate the men and women in uniform that have fought to defend and ensure our rights and freedoms in this country that I know I sometimes take for granted, but certainly experience with a lot of gratitude on a day like today. We well, all of us in uniform you. are appreciative of the American people, and we, we swore an oath to give our life if necessary. Uh, to defend the Constitution, and, and we're serious about it, and we're never going to turn our back on it. So thanks very much for the opportunity to be here. Thank you. Guys, General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I'll send it back over to you uh, at Post 9. Uh, such a remarkable interview, Morgan. Thank you for that, uh, Morgan Brennan. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.